Hallelujah. So it's it's week five. It's the final week. We were going to do six weeks, and uh, but we thought we'd amalgamate amalgamate the last two weeks because uh, week five was going to be uh, really just about how God speaks in the sense of the the ways God speaks. And so we're going to give out some notes. There's last week's notes. If anybody didn't get last week's notes here, and then. My able assistant will be giving out this week's notes. So that week five was really about things like how God speaks to us and uh, the various ways. And I didn't want to take any time on that really because unless there's questions, and we're going to have a, a questions, a Q&A session. Uh, Tino's going Tino's to... What a rabble. Recording it as well. So we talk about them, Pat. A terrible bunch. So we're going to have a question and answers session uh, later on, about maybe 20 past eight or so. But we didn't want to talk about things like visions. God can give us pictures. He can speak to us in dreams. Some people in the New Testament were in a trance, like Peter, when he saw the, the, uh, the sheet come down. People have been spoken to by angels, although angels don't preach the gospel. That's our responsibility. Amen. And uh, sometimes it's an audible voice. Sometimes we talked about that knowing on the inside. You just know. We have a lifeometer, if you will, on the inside that God speaks to. He speaks to us through sometimes giving us peace or disturbing our peace. Obviously, Scripture is the and maybe not a major, but maybe the major way God speaks to his children. And uh, he talks to us by through creation. You know, I'm sure if you've been on holiday in one of these uh, places where there's no light pollution, way, <laughs> and you can see the stars. The psalmist talked about creation, uh, declaring God's glory and, and Romans 1 talks about that then there's physical impressions it's not happened to me a lot but sometimes uh, I've had a pain in my back, a pain in my shoulder a pain in my leg, a, a physical pain somewhere and I've thought oh, where's that come from it's not happened to me a lot but I've, I've had it and, I th- and, then, and then with my peanut lightning fast brain <laughs> thought this is God speaking so I've given it out as a word of knowledge and uh, Someone's got a pain here because I've had a pain. Uh, so that they're the ways and, and, and many, many other ways maybe that you know that God speaks to you. And I think it's really important that we don't look at anybody except for encouragement when we're talking about being a prophetic people. Because it will happen to you uniquely because of what Tino spoke about last week about our vernacular. Sometimes God has said to me, are you having a laugh, Jim? Does God speak like that? I mean, he doesn't speak in, you know, thus says the Lord, and uh, verily, verily, truly, truly, I saith unto thee, Jim. That would be very strange to me. That would be a stranger in my bedroom. Who's that? But he comes to me in my vernacular, with, and sometimes with my abruptness, <laughs> and my sense of humour, and, and sometimes I feel a clipper around the ear. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, and sometimes I, I, I get a sense of God's smile. And sometimes I get a, a, a sense of God's looking at me with squinty eyes, like, is he getting this? And, and is he really 
you know, and he's almost turning away from me, just wanting me to follow. Anybody ever had that? That sort of, uh, I was going to say sneakiness or cheekiness of God. That's maybe irreverent. I don't mean to do that. But just that sense of God wooing me somehow. It's like the burning bush. Moses could have missed that burning bush so easy. But it says he need turned aside. And that's when God spoke to him. So they're the ways or some of the ways that God speaks to us. And, uh, you know, I said on Sunday, and all due respect to Tino and myself, that what we're doing, what we've done over, over the last four and a bit weeks, four weeks, ten minutes, <laughs> is, uh, has not been 100%. The, the content has not been 100% fabulous. The delivery is, well, when I'm doing it, it's certainly not been 100%. But I am convinced that what we've done is 100% what God's doing when he's doing it. My heart is absolutely confident that these sessions have been of God at the right time, at the right place, with the right people, and with this church. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I couldn't be any more secure in that. And my prayer is that we will never be the same again. Never be the same again. That these won't just be, ooh, that was nice. And we put it up like a monument. Remember what Gimentino did in 2019? Whatever happened to that? I, I, this is, for me and for God, wanting to be such a, a platform to go. Does anybody remember the, uh, the slogan of Zanussi? You need to get out more. <laughs> you remember that. Sorry. The appliance of science. I, that just, I was just thinking about our sessions and how to go on from here. And, and that came to me. It's no use having all the bits. Imagine just having a drum and the carcass and the tubes and everything. I, I just felt God wanted to say, from, this, from, from tonight afterwards, it really is down to us. I wanted to say it's down to you, but it's down to you. And it has to be the appliance of science, doesn't it? Otherwise, we've wasted our time. Is that heavy? That's good, that. Isn't that truth, though? And so, in some respects, I want you to watch me. I want you to provoke me to good works. I want you to look who's here, if you don't mind, and be aware of each other and be cognizant of each other so that we can provoke each other to good works. Does that make sense? Because I believe that's what kind of relationship God wants for the church. We, we, we vacillate, don't we, politically from laissez-faire to the nanny state. And I err on the nanny state because if we just let it be, generally speaking, that's not godly. We are part of a team, we are part of a body, and we are to provoke each other to good works. And so, often times I'll say to people, I'm on your neck, I'll feel your collar. <laughs> and most time, well, 100% of the time, if I've said that in love, people have said, you feel my collar any day. Is that right? Yeah. And so, so look around and encourage each other in the next weeks and days to come to provoke each other to good works and maybe to testify to each other, to encourage each other, to get a WhatsApp group with each other, to think of each other and so on and so forth. Anywho.
I do waffle. So I'm just going to run through some almost absolutes. You know, some things are very flexible and loose and, lo- and, and fluid, but there are some things that are non-negotiable. They're absolutely non-negotiable. And uh, to be a, 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 a prophetic people... Sometimes I want to say, if you're going to do anything or you're going to say anything and you haven't got love in your heart, sit down and shut up. <laughs> and, and that's quite blunt, isn't it? But that's, that for me is not to cut the legs from under anybody. That for me is quite a, an encouragement because love, without getting sentimental or wishy-washy or wussy or hallmark. Has anybody watched the Christmas films that are on? Yeah. Aren't they great? Yeah. For what they are. Yeah. Boy meets girl, girl goes out of a job, she goes to a little village she grew up in, she might sub- meets a boy, she gets married, and it's all happily ever after. Get, get in. The, the, it's either Hallmark or Larry Levinson, or see, well, they're all from Canada as well, so anyway, they're all. No, the, no swearing, no violence, no. They're terrible, really. <laughs> Quite boring. No, they're, they're great. But you know what? This, this, this love of God is, I don't know how to describe it. It is the driving force of, God, of everything that we are about. The agape, unconditional love of God. If you haven't got that in your heart, I, I, I want a T-shirt that says, sit down and shut up. <laughs> Jim. Because it is everything we, you know, I'm not going to preach 1 Corinthians 13, but without love and a prophetic people, all will be is clang and cymbal. All will be is, a, is a just a And I often see, again, when God speaks to me, I sometimes see him going like this. I do. That's a stench in my nostril. Your self-righteousness or whatever. And sometimes a little bit like that. Ooh. It jars on God because I've just not got love and I'm just this clanging symbol. What a terrible thing to get God to go like that. And it's our responsibility, the love of God. Ooh, that doesn't sound right. Jude, chapter, uh, verse, there's only one chapter. Verse 21 in Jude, it says this. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making the difference. I, I find that I find that awesome. I do. I find that quite profound. That uh, that verse says to me, "You keep yourself in the love of God. You do it. You. It's your responsibility. It's our great privilege because it's available." 24 hours of a day, all day, every day. But it's our responsibility and, again, privilege to get there. God doesn't give us the ticket with no destination. He doesn't give us the ticket with no access to. But we have access to that unconditional force of the universe, the very heart of God, all day, every day. That's just amazing. I just find that just thrilling. But again, it's not just our, our privilege, it's our responsibility. 
as a prophetic people is to keep ourselves in the love of God. Now, sometimes you might think that's... Mm, mm, oh, that's great, that Father. That's great. But it's much more than that, isn't it? It's such a proactive force. Wherever we are, whichever way our eyes are pointing and our feet are pointing and our hands are pointing, we can keep ourselves in the love of God. And I believe God is saying, in that, in that love of God, we can't help but be prophetic. This won't pick your amens up if you want to shout, you know, right? <laughs> pick your snoring up, though. I think that's fabulous. I Honestly, I just think that's absolute amazing that we can be world changers because of the love of God. Romans 5.5 5 says, It's the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And again, we keep saying that without the Holy Spirit, we just can't do this. Uh, I don't know whether to share. This sounds daft. This is as daft as anything, but it means so much to me. Okay, Lord. I felt, uh, Holy Spirit said to me a couple of months ago, every day, it's not that I want you to be filled, I want you to give me my daily allowance. Have I told you this before? Yeah. It's just me. No. And so every morning I wake up and I say, Holy Spirit, I give you your daily allowance. <laughs> Might not mean anything to you, but to me it's like, it means it's ridiculous it, it, it has a sense of bizarreness to it. It has a sense of how dare I not give you complete authority and lordship in my life for the next 24 hours. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But it, and so it thrills me as well. It humbles me. Every morning it's quite different, but every morning for months I've been saying, and he jolts me now and says, I need it. I need my daily allowance. It's not I'm giving him tuppence eight me. And that's what it's like sometimes. It's like I give him my tuppence eight me. Mm. I, <laughs> I give him my allowance. And it's obviously an invitation for him. I allow him to come and fill me to overflowing and be all that he wants to be. And yet it sounds so small when you say, I give you your daily allowance. And then yet it's so big. And every morning he jolts me. And I, without, honestly, it's just a habit now. I, I don't know if it's my habit or it's his habit or it's our habit. But every morning I wake up and I've got to do it. <laughs> and, and I think that makes a difference in my life. Just to give him allowance. And isn't it ridiculous that the God of the universe needs your allowance? Isn't that bizarre? But that's the truth of it. Because sometimes we can rush around, and again, sorry to preach, we can rush around, get to the end of the day and say, oh God, will you, oh, where did that that eight hours go? So love, love is everything. Love is the bottom, the middle and the top line for all of this to be a prophetic people. I wonder what faith means to you. Faith is an absolute, isn't it? It's non-negotiable. The just shall live by faith. Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. I said, at a meeting I used to go to, I said, uh, what we don't need, and there was a guy on the front, and, he's, and I know he's into prayer, 
hold your breath, don't throw stones at me. And I said, what we don't need is more prayer. And, and I could see him twitching like this. But his, his, the skull nearly came off and an Exocet missile came my way. I said, what we need is more believe in prayer. And there's a difference. Sometimes I feel as what we do is we go, and just leave it with God. We just verbally that way and leave it with God. And that's not the way it should be. There's a, what do you want? What are we doing today? You're doing this truly, truly. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray for this. We declare this. We pronounce that. We prophesy this. We're asking you for your will to be done. I believe it. I hide that in my heart. It's a done deal. I'm off. Is it Corrie ten Boom? It's been, it's been said of many people. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. What we'd often say is, God said it. That settles it. That sounds really right, doesn't it? Because he's sovereign. But I don't think that's completely right all of the time. I believe is God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And that's the difference between just praying, you know, giving God information. Do you know about me, me Auntie Susan who's got gout? God, well, do you love it or what? Over. <laughs> we sort of sign our prayers, Roger, over and out. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm going off a bit. Faith works by love. Faith is imperative to our walk in this. And we've said last week it's spelt R-I-S-K. Somebody said once that grace is God, God's riches at Christ's expense. Romans 5.2 says that we access this grace by faith. Somebody said faith can only access the grace that God's provided. That's true. You can't, I cannot use, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My faith will not get me a great big white Mercedes Benz just because I believe it. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> it's not name it and claim it or blab it and grab it. However, if God wants me to have a great big white Mercedes Benz and I've got the faith to believe it, then I'll, Harry Greenwood used to, used to say, claim your stake and stake your claim. Faith is an absolute in this. We're not going to be prophetic without faith. <coughs> I've said this loads of times over these sessions, well, maybe three or four times, but I wish I could say it a lot more. Hunger to be a prophetic people, to move in this that God is calling us to do, to be in the spirit, awake and alive and open and sensitive to what he's saying and doing in the meeting and as a lifestyle will take hunger. It's, it's, it's just the way it is. Uh, Psalm 42, verses 1 to 4, it says... As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. I, 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 I don't know what it is to be hungry. Sometimes you, you can get asked, can't you, why is there so many miracles in these third world countries? I think it might be a valid question. 
and, and maybe we could discuss why that is. And maybe it's because there's no plan B or C or D, E, F, G, H, I, Z. Because maybe they understand hunger. Maybe they understand what it is to thirst after righteousness. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Does anybody ever feel like, do we understand this? I've not heard any sermons on hunger and thirst. And how, how can we in a, thir- in a first world country with such uh, abundance of stuff that fulfills all our needs, doesn't it? <laughs> Some nods over here. These are the poverty ones here. <laughs> but that's, we are so, we have so much, so much good, not bad, so much good that sometimes might steal us or uh, rob us, steal from us what's best because we can't understand as the deer pants for the water. I personally believe this is something that we can practice something we can ask God for, something we can nurture in our lives, just by talking to God, saying, God, give me a hunger for you. Let me know what it's like to be... Is God listening tonight as I say this? See, this is a dangerous... This is... Do you know, if I had a toy here, a little toy, like you'll have at Christmas, and I can... can... You know, we can have a great time, can't we? It ain't going to get anything moved. But do you know if I plug my fingers into this? <laughs> if I had hair, is anybody with me? Yes. And this is only 240 volts. If I take my three fingers and plug them this way, Jesus, this is not playing games, is it, people? People are going to hell. I read somewhere, somebody said, he, had, uh, he was an evangelist and he had some followers, some... And he said, if I could hang my staff over hell for half an hour, they would all be better evangelists. We, we, you know, oh dear God, we talk about things so glibly and so lightly and so flippantly. People are going to hell in a handbasket. And we don't cry enough. We don't get upset enough. We don't fall on our knees enough because we don't know what it is to be like that heart. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. I think we can all nurture that and God wants us to nurture that because I think that's where the power is. That's that, that level of, of desperation. It will come with understanding, you see. I remember standing by our phone, I have these little, not photographic memory, just these salient points. Standing by the phone, I put the phone down on somebody once and I said, oh God, in our, in our heart, give me your heart, let me feel like you do. <laughs> And if he showed me his heart fully, right now, completely, I would, I would just be saturated. I'd saturate the floor, basically. I'd just be a puddle. But it's a prayer to pray. It's a, to be prophetic, that's a prayer to pray. 
God, give me your heart. Let me feel like you do. Let me hurt like you do. Are you glad you came? Let me feel the pain that you feel. Let me know what it is to be lost. Let me know what it is to be lonely. Let me know what it feels like to be isolated or mentally ill or desperate or rejected or a million and one things that you feel and we feel as a body, but that the world is, is in such a desperate, desperate state. And, 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 and we've got, so I don't know how to do it except how I do it, but at least ask God, this sounds right, that, that this soft lad's saying. This sounds good, this sounds right. Do you know what? I'm going to get to my father, I'm going to say, I'll have some of that. I'll have a wagon load of that. I'll have a shed load. I want to be. Isn't that what we're supposed to be, Christ-like? <laughs> and it will it will wreck your life. Lock the doors, do you know? Lock the doors. It, it will change your life. It will wreck your life. You'll never be the same again. That's the way it should be, isn't it? Bring it on, Lord. And that's that's I've I've had this for a while for these sessions of doom 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 you know the blue touch paper mission impossible I just feel that these sessions have been and it's too late now we've lit the blue touch paper and you now are ruined I I got ruined a while ago I can't be doing with lettuce or dry crusts I can't be doing with it. That doesn't make me anything special. I just know, and you know, that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And all of this makes you prophetic. Because it takes you to him. It makes you hunger and thirst. And it does something in you that you can't be the same again. You're changed. And you're dangerous then. You're in danger. But you're dangerous and that's being a prophetic people is being dangerous. You know, Jesus, I'm going off on one. I can't help myself. Jesus said, didn't he? If the world loves you or the world hates you, how many are hated by the world really here? Yeah. You know, we, we don't get too much persecution, do we? No. Yeah. Pardon? Nowhere Absolutely. Does it, does it? They just mock really. They laugh yeah, rather than they absolutely. But, but might that be saying something? If, the, if we follow the science back and we, and we go, hang on, it doesn't hate me as much as maybe it could, or like it says, if, the, if he hated the master, he'll hate the servant. So we go back and we think, ooh, this particular rope's disconnected. <laughs> Let's plug that in. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not after self flagellation, by the way, or anything like that. I'm, um, or sackcloth and ashes, or and I don't go looking for trouble. I just cause trouble, and and that's different, isn't it? I want the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings because of the power of His resurrection. And you can't have one without the other. In fact, you need both. You need the fellowship of His sufferings to have the power of His resurrection, because power without compassion is dangerous, and compassion without power is next to useless. So hunger is really, really important. And I really want to encourage you all to talk to Father about it. Isaiah 26, 
verse 9 says this. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me I will seek thee early. In the, in the authorised it says, no, no, that's the authorised, in the amplified, excuse me. My soul yearns for you and my spirit seeks earnestly. Do you yearn for God? Do we yearn for God? Yearn. Do you feel the ache sometimes? You know, I fell in love with a, a woman 30, 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, talking about your first love, and, and I'm going to get mushy and soppy, but when I wasn't with her, I had an ache. And we've, we all, we've all, maybe we, some of us haven't known that. God bless us all. But friendships, relationships, and particularly in marriage, you ache, don't you? You you ache. And, and when that ache goes away, sometimes that's when the trouble starts, isn't it? <laughs> now, the ache changes, doesn't it? And the ache, it doesn't it just... Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm dead when I get it. Watch for kidney spruises when you see me next. Stay on the tonight. I'm with you here tonight, yeah. But it says in Revelations, doesn't it? You know, you've left your first love. To be a prophetic people is to get back to first love. It really is. Anyway, my soul yearns and my spirit seeks. You'll get the notes. You've got some of them. I'm missing some of them out. I just felt led to to concentrate on some of these others. Sanctification. Jeremiah 6.10 says this. To whom shall I speak, God says, and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. There's a sermon there. There's a sermon right there. Their ears are not circumcised. You know, Christine's just owned up. It's on the tape, Chris. To owned up to watching these uh, hallmark films. I watch them, okay? Only because the morning she ties me up. <laughs> But we must sanctify our ears. Hmm. I don't know what that means to you, but we must set our hearts and set our ears apart and come away. Song of Solomon, come away, my fair one. Come away. There's a wooing in the spirit today for each one of us to come away. To come away from what's happening on Thursday even. It's important Thursday, isn't it? We prayed last night. Was that only last night? Yeah. We prayed only last night. But it's, it's, we have to sanctify our ears. What, what do we listen to? Do we listen to all the, the, the downward stuff? Do we listen to all the, the, the rubbish in the world? Do we ri- listen to gossip? Do we listen to unsalty conversation? Mm-hmm. We have to sanctify our ears. Yeah. And that's where God wants us to be so that our our antenna is not picking up all this interference and this dross that is coming this way 24 hours a day. Boldness. Boldness. I just think these are absolute essentials and non-negotiables. God said to Joshua three times, be strong and very courageous. And he's saying it to you tonight. I'm sorry, I've said many times, I've looked 
for loopholes and I've looked for the get-out clauses. I've looked in the small print. I went to the maps to see if there was anything there and the index. And you know what? There's no, there's no way out of it. It's tough. And he promised us it would be tough. But he said he's overcome the tough, didn't he, in the world. He says to Joshua three times, be strong and very courageous. Let me put this mantle on you. Verse 6, it says this, be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give to them. It's not about you. What's the Kel surprise? <laughs> That's French for what a surprise. Um, do you know it's not about you? It's not about me. I God God is saying, who'll go? And I said some years ago, I'll go. I'll get way. And so now I just feel I want God wants to put a mantle on us that the people you live with, the people you work with, the people you, you walk with, the people you shop with have Whatever with, whichever way your eyes are looking forward, there's a, there's, a, there's a land that we have a responsibility to bring them into. Amen? Oh me? Amen. <laughs> and, and again, I might, I, I might, you might think I'm crackers, but I go like that with that. Whoa, get in. Boldness is essential. It really is essential. Obedience is essential. These are not some things that you can try. These are absolute essentials that we must have in our pockets, our arsenal, if you will. Obedience is essential. It's essential. Absolutely. It's better than sacrifice. And we can give all the sacrifice, can't we? But obedience is better than sacrifice. Hebrews 5.14 says, we've had it over the weeks, that... Strong meat belongs to those who have had their senses exercised to discern between good and evil. Exercised. You know, on Monday at Agewell, uh, <laughs> I'm dead hard with them. You know, I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter how old you are. Oh, I am. Oh, you went there. You were missing. No, you can't get the staff. We're going to dock your wages. But... Uh, it's a public meeting in a sense. So, so Norma said, uh, but I'm really tired. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and so I reeled off what I've been doing this week and how I hadn't slept. And she went, oh, I'm really sorry, Jim. <laughs> this little old woman like that. But does anybody get tired? Yeah. Do you get weary sometimes? Yeah. Do sometimes, do you get the sponge and think, I think I might lob it in. I think I might just throw the towel in and chuck the sponge. Does anybody look around now We've all got our hands up. I've got two hands up and two legs if I could stand up without them. Sometimes I just want to absolutely think, nah, I'm done. 20 20 minutes before I preach, normally about 20 minutes I think, I'll never do this again. Never do this again. You felt that last night just before? I'll never do this again. It's too much like hard work. Me guts, me head, me hands, me... It all goes, and I think, and I haven't got anything to share. It's dead. It's dead as a dodo. Oh, God, I'm going to make a show of myself. What? Oh, this is the last time. Rob Pyatt ever rings me or texts me, I'll just text them back saying, I'll block him. I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just block him. And then you sit down after you've preached, and you think, that's it, never again. And someone will come over and say, do you know, that touched me. 
Well, I might do it once more. <laughs> I might give it another go. I'm, I'm getting used to this pain. But that's what it's like for us, isn't it? All of us, all of the time. I don't know anyone who does this and doesn't feel a little bit. I don't know. Well, really. That's what you can call it, Pat. I don't yeah. know what it is. I think it's yeah. just sheer, sheer fear. Well, thank you. I hope so. But, but it, it is essential that we obey. Mm. Now, it's up to Rob and Tino and the elders and the oversight of this church, all due respect, to create an atmosphere where we can be obedient. And that's what this, these sessions have been about to a degree, about the safety net. What if I'm wrong? What if I stand at the mic and it all goes pear-shaped? Well, we love you. Mm. For me, if I was in the leadership, which I'm not, I'd say, keep it short and sweet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have to learn by doing. If God gives you a saw and a piece of wood... And you watch him sawing a piece of wood. You saw a piece of wood, and that's how you learn. It's got to be like this. Mm-hmm. So the ob- and the, and there's other safety nets that we talked about last week. But it's essential that we obey. It's essential that we keep the flow going, because sometimes God has said to me, He's given me something, and I've, for whatever reason, fluffed it and not given it. And then I'll go to him and ask him for something else, and he'll say, "What about?" And it's not until I discharge that particular gun that he gives me another bullet. Yeah. Is, that, is that a common yeah. experience? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there. So there. <laughs> so I want to say, if I'm going to suffer, I want you to suffer as well. <laughs> and I remember Peter getting up not so long ago and you said your knees were wobbling and everything. But the results... That's what we've got to look at. It's the results. It's the, it's the life. It's the Joshua. Because unto these people, you will divide the land. This is about land. This is so important. It's not, it's not heavy, important responsibility, although it is responsibility. It's a heavy privilege to be able to... And we speak to Ruth and, and what she's doing in song and, and how it happens with you and, and through you and with next Pauline with the next door neighbour and wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever we're doing. This is an exciting adventure. And if you've, if you've come to these sessions and you don't think it's anything but an adventure, we have missed it. It's an adventure. Some of you need to tell your face that, okay? <laughs> it's an adventure. Um, my mum went to Israel many years ago and she, she was dead excited and she loved it. And, uh, but she said, you know, she said uh, lots of things. <laughs> but she said she was going down this road and she said it was really stark that onto the, on the left was orange trees and lime trees and date trees and pomegranates and pineapples and it was lush green it was just just boom colour and fruit and and over here was just rocks dead barren arid ground and uh, where where this was okay let's flick a coin if we left these two wonderful 
pieces of land, what would happen if we left them? Would this lush fruitfulness envelop this? Or would it happen the other way? I think... Spot on. Exactly. That is my point. This, if it's left to its own devices, and this is left to its own devices, this will win. This arid, barren ground is always on the march, always there until we take our final breath and say, and look into the face of Jesus and say, I made it. (laughs) And we fall on his neck. So, inertia and stagnation, God against it. God against inertia. Inertia, you know what inertia is, don't you? Still, nothing happening. God against it. God against it because it will cause a vacuum and you will stagnate. Keep the flow going. Cult, that's got to be cultivated. It has to be nurtured. It has to be facilitated so that the life of God continues to flow over this way. It's going to be work. It takes labour. Good night and God bless. <laughs> Tino, that's all I wanted to say really. want to... Uh, want to give people an opportunity, maybe, just to see what comes out in in any questions and answers that we'll try our best to answer. Or we, plural, not just us two, will answer some of maybe anxieties, fears, maybe testimonies, maybe questions that have uh, been unearthed over the last five weeks. And there's no silly question, there's no daft question. It's just we wanted to give you opportunity to... Not maybe just even say say things in a, a question form, but a statement or a testimony or whatever. Sure. Okay. Uh, just before we go into that Q and A, uh, there's just something that I wanted to add very quickly. Um, Jimmy talked about suffering and pain. Um, our society, in fact, us, we as people, we are designed to avoid pain. Painkillers, anaesthetics, you name it. We want it whenever there's pain present. But the thing is, unless you enter into the sufferings, you never really gain the compassion that you need, that God wants to endow us with, in order to enter into somebody else's world and be an answer for them. So, you know, we are to... I know it sounds counterintuitive, but when, when God gives us the opportunity to enter into suffering with him, don't avoid it. it. It causes tremendous growth if we'll yield ourselves to him in that place, much as we want to try and escape it. And that's not to say that life's meant to be miserable without joy and always a constant grind. No. But there are times where you see the prophets in lament. You know, we've forgotten what lament is within the body of Christ. It's all happy, clappy, and everything's great. Well, no, you know, sometimes it ain't. And sometimes we need to be on our knees in tears. And sometimes we need to enter into somebody else's pain and situation so that we can be moved to compassion and weep with those that weep as well as rejoice with those that rejoice. And I think that that is a wonderfully prophetic act. Amen. Amen. Amen.